that's a resounding start to that. I guess I'm okay. Well, you you gotta lead this one because I don't know. What, I thought we said everything. Oh, everyone thought we said everything. All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast. This is one of our micro brew episodes, a sequel, if you will, to our uh, episode two twenty nine about the Matrix Resurrections. Uh, I'd make the joke that our parent company asked us to do another one, or otherwise that you know they would go ahead and do one without us. But I told that joke five minutes ago, and so I uh, I, I, I ruined it for Phil, who's the who's the only who's the only audience that I have right here. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so as as always, I'm your host Vince. Over there is your host Phil. Hey. And before we get started, I just want to remind you to please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Make sure that you leave a rating or a review or both. Uh, also, make sure that you check out the store over there at tpublic.com for all your three drinks in podcast merchandising needs. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at three drinks in pod. You can like us on Facebook and you can email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail.com. So, the Matrix. Again, uh, the Matrix again. Did you watch the Red Letter Media review of the Matrix Resurrections? Mm, most of it. Okay. Um. Cause so I I watched that, and then I listened to the Sub Beacon, um, podcast where they did their review of the Matrix, and I don't know. I was funny. Like I generally agree with both of those sources on their opinions about things most of the time um but more so usually with the guys from red letter media they're just much more sort of like i don't know like they they sort of like things that i didn't expect that i also like and you know i remember watching it they they did like a review of um willy wonka and the chocolate factory and they kind of compared it to the new one with with, with johnny depp and the main guy who the guy who runs that channel really mike uh the uh, the, uh, the mr plinkett for those of you who don't know who we're talking about he really liked willy wonka and he goes into this whole thing about why it's a great movie and i'm always you know intrigued when people are really passionate about something that you know they've been able to find um like a quality to that i kind of missed like i dismissed it like i kind of dismissed it. Willy Wonka as kind of weird and a little bit, you know, I forget if it was it was the 70s right that came out, right? It was Oh, the original one, yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, it's kind of bizarre and odd and you know, definitely better than the reboot because Gene Wilder is a genius or was a genius. I forget if he's he's passed away a while ago now, right? Oh, um, yeah, a few years ago now. But um anyway, but the way in which both sets of reviewers talked about this movie was interesting to me because the guys from the Sub Beacon kind of went into this the same way that you and I did and the way that we tend to do about most movies that we review, which is we try to look at it like as its own thing. So, you know, we, we don't quite do new criticism exactly. Like, we're not looking at everything in a vacuum, but we tend to take the, th the films we see as they come. And we kind of like, you know, we read about the history and the people who made it, but oftentimes we just kind of go, was this a good movie? Like, is this worth watching? And 
we agreed that no, it wasn't, and that it was really bad. But the guys at the Sub Beacon really hated it to a degree that I was sort of surprised by just the vociferousness of their loathing for the movie. Not just in terms of the fact that it's a bad movie. Like, everything about it is just terrible. The writing, the direct, the directing, the acting, the score. And, like, I actually just went back and watched the other movie. And that is just a masterpiece. It really is on, the, on a variety of, of, of levels where this one failed. But they really found Lana Wachowski's you know, decision-making process to be fairly reprehensible. And, you know, we had touched a little bit on the fact that, like, you know, Warner Brothers owns the rights to the Matrix, and they said, we're going to make this whether, you know, you do it or not. So they just kind of did it. And, you know, they it's very meta in that they even reference, like, there's a conversation between Jonathan Groff and... Keanu Reeves, where he says, our parent company, Warner Brothers, has asked us to do a sequel to the trilogy. And they're just, they're not mincing any words in that. And I guess I just didn't give, you know, that as much thought as I was watching it, because it was just so bad, I was distracted by how bad it was, that I was thinking to myself, like, why would you do this? You know, and there's the the basic sort of entertainment ethics where it's just like, why would you make a thing that was terrible for almost $200 million just because some suits at Warner Brothers said that you had to? And they also brought up the fact that there was a bit of a controversy, I think in 2003, where some poor crazy person, and this is no this is no one's fault but his own, um, believed that he was in the Matrix, this unstable young man who ended up murdering his parents, and it's part of the, um, like it's 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 an aspect of the of the new documentary called A Glitch in the Matrix, which is I think on Hulu now, which I've been meaning to to see. Um, but they brought up that, and they brought up just the basic motivations for why this movie got made, and they you know they basically called people who made it very irresponsible both from an artistic point of view and you know from a somewhat pseudo moral point of view like you know not blaming the Wachowskis for this poor guy you know killing his parents 20 years ago but understanding that like your art has had some implications and that it's you know it's not necessarily the most appropriate thing to be so frivolous with such a you know, intense subject matter like this, considering the fact that the bad guy in the movie is a psychiatrist. Mm. And, you know, the whole point of, you know, your your hero's journey for the first half an hour is going off his medication as a form of freedom. So kind of a risky thing to do considering the history of the franchise and its impact on other people. So there's that, and then there's the fact that the guys from 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 Red Letter Media weren't really bothered by this and found it kind of funny. And so I don't know if it was just that I heard the Sub Beacon podcast first and was like, yeah, that's kind of a dick move. 
And then I heard the guys from 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 Red Letter Media, and they were kind of cavalier about the fact that this is how the whole thing was made. But it got me thinking, like, you know, a, what do you think about this particular film and and the, these particular decisions? But also, you know, does the creator, not necessarily the suits that fork over the cash, but is there some sort of responsibility on the part of the the artistic creators of film and television to approach things as honestly <laughs> as they possibly can, can, given that it's an entertainment company it's not not really known much for their honesty so you're, you mean you're talking about if a man killed himself because he was mentally unstable should you should your art afterwards reflect that is that what you're saying no what i'm saying is that like nobody really wanted to make who, who nobody who made this movie wanted to make this movie and that was evident in how crappy it was. And if they had really wanted to make it good, you know, Lana Wachowski's proved that she knows how to do that. And it didn't appear that she wanted to do it because she did. She simply just didn't do it. I mean, maybe people get old and sloppy, and like you know, they they haven't directed a lot of movies ever since. But you're kind of getting the band back together to make. An, an astoundingly mediocre film compared to your originals from, again, granted, 20 years ago, and a lot's happened to her in that time. Um, but, you know, the do you go ahead and just make the film because Warner Brothers says, well, if you don't do it, we're going to make one without you, and go a direction with it that, sort of doesn't take into account the complicated history that your film has had on on the zeitgeist and, you know, the sort of respect that you owe the audience to say, if I'm going to make a movie, I might as well try to make a good one. I might as well, you know, not try to make a big fuck you movie to Warner Brothers for, you know, because no one's holding a gun to her head. You know, Steven Spielberg didn't direct the subsequent Jurassic Park movies because he didn't want to anymore. And they said, well, all right, we're going to do it, do it without you. And he's like, I don't give a shit. Go right ahead. And we talked a little bit about how people who sell their stories, their novels to Hollywood to get made into movies, you can take one approach with it if they screw up your story by making it into a movie and get really pissed about it. Or you can do, you know, what other people do and go, I wrote a book, they took it and made made it into something different. It's not what I wrote, but I sold it. That was the whole damn point. And c- kind of like say like, well, you want you want to go ahead and make a fourth crap Matrix movie? Fine. But you can do it without me. Like, she didn't need the money, exactly. It didn't hurt, I'm sure. But, so like, it just, it seemed like a somewhat disrespectful thing to do to the audience, to sit, sit them down and say, we're going to make a new Matrix movie. And, I didn't have high hopes for it, but it didn't seem like anybody had, you know, any heart in it. And it was just like a, a, a really obvious cash grab. And I, I don't really feel snookered that I, you know, I was expecting a great movie and I went to the theater and Rick's, you know, risked getting COVID to go see this. But some people did that. They were excited about a fourth Matrix movie and they went to the movie theaters 
during COVID and somebody got COVID from seeing the Matrix resurrected, which they didn't need to do because it was so terrible, you know? And, you know, I didn't really know about the guy who had, you know, the, the mentally mentally unstable guy who had murdered his parents. But, like, you know, people who are willing to do things based on the art that you create, you are not responsible for it, but you can't be ignorant of it either. Yeah, but that's not that's not fair. It's No, it's not. But it is... I, the only thing that really made me think about that was when they pointed out the fact that the 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 direction they took with the characters was to create the exact kind of scenario. Like, if I told you that you made a movie that caused somebody else to go out there and murder people, you wouldn't apologize for it. You wouldn't, you know, you know, because you're a level-headed person, you wouldn't seek redemption for it. But then again, you know, if you go and say, well, we, we want you to make a sequel to that movie, would you go ahead and take the situation that happened in your in real life as a response to your, to your movie and feature it somehow in the sequel? That well, seems think, very... It seems I don't know if that's what they did, though. No, but they should... I mean, you can't, you can't take into account everyone's reactions to something when you're making something new. That's not it's everyone. Just, many... just the guy who murdered his parents. That's only one oh. reaction you have to consider. The man who shot John Lennon was highly influenced by a catcher in the rye. Right. And yet I still teach that in high school. You know, so it, someone who does something wrong with a piece of art is there's no responsibility or bearing on the artist to do anything about that because no, but people are J- going to take but but people are going to take any interpretation that they want to. And some people who are mentally and unbalanced and unstable will take it in directions that you would never even have considered. And you can only shrug and say, well, you know, that person's brain wasn't working right. True. But if J.D. Salinger got wind of that and then wrote a sequel to Catcher in the Rye where somebody reads Catcher in the Rye and then murders somebody over it, like... I don't think I don't think it matters. No, I don't think it matters. It's... No. You, you can't stop anybody from writing or saying anything, but it gives me pause. Especially because there was no impetus to make the movie other than Warner Brothers said they'd do it without me. And I've read things that she said, and the guys from Red Letter Media talked about things that she said, like, I wanted to make this movie because I think within the span of, like, half a year, she she lost her parents and a close friend. And she was feeling very vulnerable, and she went out and said, you know, okay, we'll, 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 we'll you know, we'll, we'll make a fourth one because this, this was a time in my, in my life that I was very creative and very successful and I want to recreate that with these same people also totally fine it just doesn't seem to hold up because the movie is just such garbage and it's such a clear and not so subtle fuck you to the people who paid her well I think those things are different I don't think anybody ever sets out to make a bad movie you know, things get changed and they they morph and mutate as things go along. You know, it's not a one person thing. They're, they're extremely collaborative processes and even crap like the island doctor of Dr. Moreau started out as a normal movie before, you know, Brando got his hands on it. So like <laughs> people don't set out to make bad films, although 
the odds are good that they will be bad. I always think of the the headphone wire analogy. So everybody always complains when you take your headphones that still have wires on them for us uh, poor people and you toss <laughs> them somewhere. The wires always get tangled. And people are always like, Ugh, my wires are tangling. It's like takes a straighten them out. It's a pain in the butt. And someone said, think of all the calculations and odds it would take for the wires not to be tangled. There's only one instance. They're not tangled, but they can be in a knot in a million different ways. You know, so when you're making a movie, there's a million different ways a movie can go wrong. And it usually does. When you want a movie to go right, everything has to be just the right way. And that's a lot harder to pull off just by the odds, you know? So like the matrix, the first one was so good because so many things went right. Whereas the other ones, I mean, when you look at the second and third one now, they, I mean, they look like Citizen King compared to this one, <laughs> but even they had things that didn't go right. And they're not that they're not as good. So when this one came out, there are so many pieces wrong that you're just like, oh, this just isn't a good movie. I think the whole idea of like, you know, insulting people from wanting the same thing, that meta narrative and everything in there. I think people took that farther than they needed to. Like, I didn't like the meta narrative because it was stupid. Uh, you know, it, it was it didn't add anything to anything. It was just a comment. Uh, and I find meta narrative tiring. But there are some people like these, apparently these sub beacon guys who sat in the audience like, how can they make fun of people who just want to see more Kung Fu? Don't think it's so personal, man. It's a cash grab. What are you worried about here? Well, Not I to guess... mention she's right in the end, isn't she? People paid to watch the same thing over again when they could have just rented the DVD one more time. So who's the sucker now? <laughs> well, if you bill it as a sequel, I mean, I guess I guess that's the big thing. Is that like, so they made the first movie and it was great and they made two sequels and they were less good. They got progressively worse. I still think that there's there's stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit back and watch it soon, but like there's stuff in The Matrix Reloaded that I really enjoy. Like, there's both the super heady philosophical stuff that I kind of like. Like, I like the scene with the architect at the end. Nobody else does, but I kind of do. Yeah, I like that movie a little bit. I like a talky, you know, I, I, you know, I like when there's a good chunk of, of dialogue. Like, I just watched Jaws the other day, and, you know, there was a, a podcast I listened to from from uh from Wondery called Inside Jaws about the making of Jaws and there was a whole episode just devoted to this to this the scene with the three guys on the boat talking about their scars and you know how it was basically like two and a half pages worth of a giant uh, um speech for Quint to give and it's the most sort of like the point of the film where you're the most wrapped because he's so good and the speech is so good and everything is so tense um, and like, I just like, I like that bit. It's sort of like the, the, the whole of the film kind of hangs in that, in that moment. Anyway, but it, those things were not good, but they weren't rehashes. They weren't, you know, they were moving a story forward, expanding it more than I think it had the capacity to hold. But you know it they were doing something they were saying something it made a lot of sense 
And, so, and it, they, they also just executed really competently. I mean, the, the Chateau fight, the thing on the, uh, on the freeway, it's phenomenal. So, so this doesn't so even <laughs> like like it, it. It was a betrayal of everything. Is if you, you know by going ahead and making a movie like I can kind of see that like like they they just did a podcast the other day talking about Knight Rider and just how in the early 1980s on television there was really like Glenn Larson's just. Everything he did from Knight Rider from, from to everything before that and then after that was just a derivative of something else. There was nothing original. TV was just commodity, and you put it on TV, and you made money, you moved on. It wasn't you, – you weren't making art. And we, people kind of accepted that. And then things got better over time because things get better over time. And so they made these three movies, and they were at least – careful and thoughtful and well executed and good they weren't they weren't great movies but they were just good they were well done this was just the most cynical thing ever and if even if i don't pay money because i you know i i just saw it on, on hbo max but even if i stole the goddamn thing i gave them two and a half hours of my time which is precious and i think that's kind of a dick move to to be a filmmaker who seems super interested in the kinds of movies you're creating and to take your time with them and really do a job, even though they're not always successful, but to be honest about it. And then to turn around 20 years later and say, fuck it, I don't give a shit. They're going to pay me. They can pay somebody else or they can pay me. I'd rather them pay me and I'll make whatever they want and I'll be tongue-in-cheek about it. And then the rest of you can all go screw because I got paid. Well, where That's are you crazy. getting this idea that that they only did this to be lazy, tongue in cheek film? I don't know if they did it that way. I do know that you know from everything I've read is that Warner Brothers ap- approached the two siblings and they said, "We would like you to make another Matrix movie." And she and, agreed to make one, and she did. And, yeah, one of them said no. One of them said yes, and. I think at first they both said, no, thank you. We don't want to do that. And they went, okay, well, we're going to make another Matrix movie. We'd like why, you to be the ones directed. Why is this offending you so much? It's offending Everything because, does this. Everything but, does this. I can't right. watch an episode of Star Trek now because of how horrible it is. But I'm not personally offended by it. Oh, I am. Oh, my God. Am I ever? <laughs> I'm no, well, I, just don't, I just don't watch it. Well, right. And... That's that's one thing with the TV show. We sat down, we I we gave it a few. We gave it one whole season for for one of them, and then it became like a thing on the podcast. That like every week we would make fun of Star Trek because it has just just how bad it was. It was just something fun for us to do. But you're right. Yeah, we tuned we we tuned in. We didn't like it. We tuned out. Something about a movie though is a little bit different because you're asking for a larger chunk of time. You know, and a more significant emotional investment in what's going on. And if I know what I'm getting into, I kind of don't mind all that much. Like, if I know I'm going to see a Fast and Furious movie, you know, and I get like Hobbs and Shaw, I kind of knew what I was getting into with that, and I shouldn't be be surprised. I didn't have to like it, and it was fine. 
But like, I kind of know what I'm getting into because this is the kind of movie that it is. Same thing with, you know, TV in the 80s. This is what TV was. This is what you get. When you're talking about we're getting the whole band back together again, we're doing the Matrix, we're going to, um, you know, get one of the directors back, and then it's just a total subversion of expectations in the really wrong direction. This is why, what's that? Um, c- cinema score is a big thing. You've heard of that? Of that? Yeah. So like, that's a whole system of rating movies based entirely on audience expectations. It's done for marketing, so people can say, is the marketing working? Is the marketing working? Are they are they getting what they think they're getting, or are we marketing the films wrong? I get that. That's why they do it. But there was something to that. Like, when I saw Logan, I didn't like it. It's a good movie. And I can, I've been, I've been meaning to go back and watch it again to give it a its fair shake. But I had been used to seeing... Hugh Jackman play Wolverine in a specific context, in sort of a lighter PG-13 kind of way. And then they come along, and there are just limbs being hacked off within the first 10 minutes. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, I knew it was a dark and serious thing. They used John, you know, uh, Johnny Cash's hurt in the trailer. I, I'm not an idiot, but I think we've gone a little bit too far. And that's just my opinion. But it took me out of the whole thing, and it just happened to me the film was good and so i was able to you know to to watch it and i didn't i wasn't offended by it but i was bothered by it and kind of disturbed like i, I came home and i was like i'm a little bit shook because of how intense that that was and, and and how violent and this is kind of you know along those lines where i think i'm gonna get something that's at least well executed like people who gave a shit and who really wanted to make a good movie that was in the same vein as what they had made before. I don't think, I think you're also making that, you're, as they say, begging the question. And correctly, I'm using that. You're assuming you that. Good for uh, you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's, that is a, one that everyone gets wrong. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it drives me nuts. Why are you assuming they didn't care? Because the movie it was, wasn't as good? That doesn't make any sense. There's plenty no, of bad movies that they, people put an effort into. But if you look at the breadth of, of George their work, Lucas really cared about his Star Wars sequels. <laughs> but like, if you look at the breadth of their work, and they don't have a huge collection of films they've made, they're all, they're not like this. They're, they're not that good either. They're not that good, but there's good, be- there's, there's things that are bad because they tried something that didn't work. They they had a storyline that didn't work. They had you know they had actors who weren't good. It was a bad script, but n- no one appeared to be phoning it in. Like they were doing it earnestly, and so at least we have to give them credit for. All right, well this wasn't any good, but it wasn't that they were trying to make it bad. This seems like it was so bad that they were trying to make it bad. Like how could you go from directing? The Matrix and The Matrix Reloaded to taking the same people and the same concepts, uh, the concepts, and making this movie with, with all of its meta narrative stuff. Like one of the things I complained about was just how earnest The Matrix was, and how they made fun of that in this movie. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that was the whole reason we all loved The Matrix was because 
every everyone every character seemed so invested in what was going on that you were able to create this insane concept of a world that we all bought into and were totally along for the ride. We we were Neo. He was, uh, you know, a total vessel for the audience, and it was it was it was great. Now it's a little tongue in cheek sarcasm about everything, and it's just so they just well, the tone you, you was have, so. Listen, listen, you got. <laughs> You have different people doing it. First of all, you're missing half of a duo. Yeah. Okay. And then you have different writers and different cinematographers and a different stunt team. I mean, it's not the same people. You have one, maybe a few, but one specific person who's still working on it. You know, it's not the same. And what was interesting about the Red Letter Media guys were saying that this was basically Gremlins 2. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I can't think of the guy that... that, uh, that yeah, now I've seen... I've seen Gremlins 2 more than I'd care to admit because, (laughs) you know, back in the day, HBO would just randomly pluck a movie from its Warner Brothers catalog and show it nonstop for three months. So I saw Gremlins 2 a lot. And Gremlins 2 is not a good movie, but it's very, very different from the first film. Okay. The only thing, I think the only thing it has in common is Gremlins. Okay. The first movie is a horror movie with little puppets. The second movie is a meta comment, uh, commentary comedy with little gremlins in it. I mean, at one point, the movie stops because the gremlins take over the projector and they start doing shadow puppets. And then the, the camera cuts to people sitting in a theater and a woman gets up and yells at the usher and is like, what is this garbage movie I'm watching? And he goes, I'm sorry, man. We just show the movies. We don't make them. <laughs> I mean, it was it was that level of meta, you know? Yeah. But Gremlins 2 had a different person writing it. So right then and there, they just looked at each other and said, let's do something totally different. Or let's hire a guy who can write me something different. So I had no doubt that this movie would not be exactly like the other ones. Uh, it's about as Matrix as it can look and you know and feel and that it has like the same you know similar characters and the same world that they're living in but it's just different people who made it that's all i guess i just figured that like you know in in a disappointing yeah absolutely but but like in a film industry where like the director is really the most important person and you know i have to believe that you know once they secured, you know, Lana Wachowski to do the movie, she had some say in how it got made after that. It just seems like such a dramatic left turn to go from the Matrix, you know, to Gremlins, which is really right. That's what that's and and they were right too on Red Letter Media. Like that's what they did. And I don't know. Like it's see, I I think that was a bad comparison because Gremlins Two was supposed to be funny, even though I didn't find it hilarious at the time. Whereas this one isn't. This one is still pretty earnest. It's just earnest about something different. This time it's about these two people in love for some reason, you know. Whereas like Gremlins, you know, I think I made the first comparison in the last time we did this to like the Muppets. You know, meta commentary works better when it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. When it's supposed to be serious it takes me out because usually there's like a target, you know, like who are we making fun of or who, what are we commenting on? 
meta characters in novels do this, especially when they like, you have a whole paragraph where the character's like, now I know I'm in a novel. It's like, well, when you do that, then what is it I'm supposed to be paying attention to? Because it's not the plot of the characters anymore. It's the thing that the character is commenting on. You know, so in the Muppets, they're commenting on how they're puppets and that's and that's cute. In the Matrix, it's they're they're commenting on how people just enjoy Matrix movies, which is distracting because I'm sitting here like, I do enjoy Matrix movies. Can we get on with it now? (laughs) Right. And like that didn't that didn't annoy the crap out of you. Like they got to make fun of you while you watched a thing that you expected to be something else. I didn't see it as making fun of me, though. I saw it as like the distraction from the fact that we don't have anything new to say. Like I, I saw it as their problem, not mine. No, yeah. oh, you're right. It's not. Oh, it's definitely their problem. But Which just made me like, it made me bored and impatient. And I so, I, like, I remember saying I was bored to the, the until they got out of the Matrix and they start explaining plot and stuff. I was like, this is boring. Like, if you're yeah. going to talk about Matrix movies, just do a Matrix movie. And I, so like, all right. You bring up an interesting point that like, it's not our problem, it's theirs. It's their problem to solve. It's our problem to suffer through. Like we, like, and this is, there's a larger conversation to be had and I'm not qualified to have it, but you know, we seem to be at the end of our civilization when it comes to art, especially our popular culture art. We don't make anything new anymore. And like it was the most important thing about The Matrix when I saw it 20 years ago and that it was new. It was a different idea. You know, they took the idea of what computers were and they were able to translate that into film better than any other movie beforehand. You know, the whole thing was new. They 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 mentioned this in Red, in Red, Red Letter Media. You know, like the net and hackers, and no one knew how to write a movie about computers. And this was the first one that was really successful. So everything was new, and it was exciting. And that isn't happening anymore. All we're getting is reboots, and all and all we complain about is that all we're getting is reboots of stuff. And so, like, yeah, it's. It's their problem to solve, but we're all suffering through it, waiting for someone to come along and make something that's engaging and novel, and that's not happening. And so if you're not going to try to fix that problem and you're just going to make money, you're not fixing the problem that, you know, exists in the in the industry that you work in. I, yeah, but I don't know that that's the problem until... I'm watching the movie. I mean, I don't. I didn't know that's what the movie was going to be like until I'm sitting there. Right. Well, that's I, nothing I can do about that. <laughs> no, not at all. But like, we can. We we should say like, stop doing this. Like, yeah, I get it. You did this thing, and you made it really obvious. So, hey, I would love to be wrong as a good as a good um good. I can't say the word pessimist. You know, likes to to be. I would, love, I would love to be wrong. That maybe this is the movie that everyone goes. Okay, let's just start doing the opposite of all that we, that we, that we've been doing and taking you know flyers on unproven talent and new ideas in the hopes that we get another 
Easy Rider or Godfather or, you know, whatever. But I don't think that this is going to do that. Like, if the purpose of this was to call attention to the fact that nobody makes anything new anymore, and if we get a resurgence of novelty to come out of Hollywood, then I'll, I'll eat my hat, sure. <laughs> and, and this would have been worth it for that to happen. Well, but I don't think it's going mean, to happen. It's even like Ghostbusters, you know. The Red Letter Media guys described it as lightning in a body. When you get something that's a really big hit, it never really works the same way twice. So even when you have another Ghostbusters, it's like, you know, they didn't they didn't set up to make a bad movie. It just wasn't as good as the first. It's the same concept over again. And that's why they put off doing a third one for so long. I mean, Bill Murray didn't get along with anybody. But he also <laughs> kind of said, like, guys, there's no point. Like, there really is no point in making another one of those things. It's a lot of work for very little, you know, recognition or laughs. So what's the point of doing that? Which is why in this last one that's apparently successful, they didn't even bother to make it a comedy. Let's just do something else with and slap a Ghostbusters logo on it. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, movie making is a fickle business. I'll say. Well, that's all I have. <laughs> he says after talking for almost 30 straight minutes. I'm glad I could help you out. <laughs> well, if you out there have any thoughts as to the responsibility of filmmakers in Hollywood to not do what they did with The Matrix Reloaded, Revisited, re what is it? Rebooted? Re regurgitated right then you should let us know on twitter or instagram we are at three drinks in pod on both uh you can find us on facebook you can subscribe to the podcast you can leave reviews you can go buy t-shirts at tpublic.com and you can email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail.com anything else uh, no that's it okay as always please drink responsibly and we'll talk to you all next time Bye-bye.